Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. We're in this series called Brave Love. This today concludes this series. Next week we're launching a series called The Top 10. And I I just wanna tell you, do not miss next Sunday. Matter of fact, probably the next three weeks are gonna be so pivotal, uh, so important, a lot of, I mean, just some big announcements, a lot of things happening. Uh, So don't miss any of these next three weeks. Make sure your face is in the place. If you do have to miss, you'll wanna catch up and uh, online or on demand. But uh, yeah, don't miss next Sunday morning services. Uh, We launch a new series that is going to be awesome. Well, in this series called Brave Love, our our theme text is 1 John. And I'll just kind of read uh, verse 18 of, of 1 John chapter four. That's where it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. So we've been talking about relationships and the family dynamic, and we're just, we're just saying, we're gonna get all the fear and the intimidation and the insecurity and uh, you know, all those emotions that can get in the way of a, of a healthy marital relationship or a healthy family, we're, we're just gonna get all that as best we can out of the way and we're gonna be brave in our love, we're gonna have, uh, be brave in our faith and know that God is, is going to um, help our families and help our marriages and so that's what we have been talking about uh, for, uh, for these last two weeks and again, today concludes that. Um, But if you have a copy of God's Word, you can go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read from that in just a moment. So last week we talked uh, about marriage, and uh, and this week um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, parenting. And uh, let me me ask this. How many here is a son or a daughter? Wave at me if you're a son or a daughter. That's what I thought most of you. Now some of you didn't raise your hand, so I don't know what to make of you. but that's what I thought most of us are. How many are moms and dads? Wave at me if you're a mom or a dad. All right, awesome. So good, I'm, you'll be glad you're here. We're gonna cover some stuff. How many grandparents do we have in the house? Grandparents across the campuses? Yeah. So what we share today will even, we'll even help uh, with grandparents. And so you go, Pastor Johnny, what do you know about grandparents? Uh, and I would say, well, okay, nothing yet. But give me a couple months, okay? Because sometime around August, I'll, I'll know some stuff about being a grandparent. So, so um, I'm going to have, we're going to see what your, how your intuition is, kind of how your, how your prophetic gifting is. I'm, I'm going to put up a picture of all four of my married kids. My, my, uh, my, my youngest, he's not married yet, uh, and my wife is actually, she's out of town seeing him. Actually, he's in Charleston, South Carolina, so my wife is with him. It was funny, I was t- uh, I, was, I drove up to Charleston on, uh, and then she flew up Saturday morning. She was here for the women night event. So then she flew there Saturday morning. I picked her up at the airport in Charleston and we were talking and she was telling me how great Friday night was and it was so cool. And then she said, you know, we got busy um, at the house and we had, we'd cooked some stuff before the women night and then we, we went there and then we had to leave for the airport so early on Saturday morning. So she goes, so just so you know, I, you know I, there's a bunch of dishes in the sink because we just didn't have time. And uh, I said, honey, don't worry about it at all. I was like, those will be there when you get back. That won't even bother me. 
Um, don't even sweat that at all. I, I honestly, that's exactly what I said. But she knew I was kidding, and uh, I'm gonna get those, I'll have those done by the time she gets back. Hold me accountable, amen. Ask me on Wednesday how that went. I got a picture of my, but my four married kids, and uh, we're gonna do a little poll and see which one that you think is about to make us grandparents, okay? So on the, on, uh, on the left here, we got uh, Jonah and Morales. Uh, they've been married for like two and a half months since uh, uh, December 15th of 2022. And uh, my kids have always like kind of bet as to who was gonna be first. And even though they just got married, uh, everybody was like, you know, they could, they could be the ones that make it happen first. So uh, how many say it's, it's Jonah and Morales are the ones that are making us, responsible for making us? All right, we got a few hands across there. All right, and then Greta and Isaac. Isaac's my oldest uh, son, and uh, they have been married since August 29th of 2020. And there's their dog, so they've been practicing uh, you know, raising something. How many, thinks it's, how many thinks it's Isaac and Greta that are gonna be making us grandparents? All right, pretty good, pretty good. And then uh, Anna and Noah, they've been married actually the longest since um, March, that's March of 2020. Uh, I don't know if you have, 2020 was a busy year for the Wilson family. I don't know if you caught that. March of 2020. How many says it's Noah and Anna that are gonna be, yeah, all right. Quite a few. And then uh, Sydney and Jake, they got married in September of 2020. How many says it's Sydney and Jake that are gonna make us? I think some of y'all been cheating a little bit. Some of you been looking at the back of the book at the answers. It is, it's Sydney and Jake and um, they're gonna make my wife and I and the old Slacks grandparents for the first time and so we're excited sometime in August and uh, it is going to be great. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that, uh, that son and daughter, mom and dad, even grandmother, grandparent dynamic here. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up. Nurture them, some versions say. Bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you're good. Thank you for your word. I, I, I love you, and I pray that today your word would speak to us exactly where we are and also where we will be. In Jesus' name, amen. Title of this message is Roll With It. It's in this series called Brave Love, but roll with it. And when I say roll, it's R-O-L-E, as in find your role. In, in a family dynamic, everybody has a role to serve. And everybody, everybody and, and sometimes the role that we find ourselves in as we are interacting with our, maybe with our spouse, as we're, as we're interacting with our kids, sometimes maybe as we're interacting with our grandkids, sometimes that role we find ourselves in can cause us some pain, can cause us some injury can cause us some hurt. Sometimes because of what somebody says in our family or what somebody does in our family, it can cause us some hurt and pain. And sometimes when we get in that condition, we don't want anybody to touch that spot. 
We don't want anybody, like, because sometimes the word of God would go forth in those areas and maybe the word of God doesn't even feel that great in the moment. It's kind of like when you pour antiseptic or you pour uh, alcohol on a cut, right? Like it hurts in that moment, like, but it's, it's there to help even though it hurts in the moment. And sometimes the word of God can, can kind of be that way. Sometimes we want to have this, this idea that, well, no, don't, don't talk to me about that. Like even last week, we, we talked a lot about marriage and I'm just going to tell you, there's a, there's a couple people that stared some daggers at me last weekend. They're like, you know, don't you be, don't be talking about my marriage like that. Don't be getting in my business. Uh, and so sometimes that, that can happen. And so here we're going to look at the, at the Word of God and what it has to say in the, in the parenting dynamic. The sons, the daughters, um, the, the, the fathers, uh, the, the, the mothers, and the grandparents. And, and what we want to do in our role is we want to set up everybody else in their roles. We want to set them up to win. As a matter of fact, in verse 1, it starts out, Paul says this, this is Paul's continuing teaching on the family. We're picking up right where we, we left off last week. It's, it's a different chapter, but it's just one continuous thought as he ends chapter five with the family and he stays with the family in chapter six, verse one. He says, children, we read it a moment ago, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord and it's the right thing to do. Obey your parents. Children are to obey their parents for several reasons that Paul gives. Because it's right, because it's commanded, and because it brings a blessing. Now here's what I want to say. Some of you parents are going, good, I'm glad he's, pre he's getting ready to tell my kids to start obeying me. And if, even if your kids aren't here, y'all are already planning on like, getting the on demand. You're gonna go on YouTube and send it to your kids. Be like, you need to listen to this, all right? And I am. I am gonna tell your kids to obey. However, I'm also going to give some parents some advice from the word of God because we can set them up to make obeying us easier by the way we do discipline. I knew, hey, hold on, parents. I have to preach, so don't shout me down the whole time, okay? You don't be amen and quite so much, all right? That's sarcasm. No, parents, no, here's the thing. We can set them up to win. Like, my, my wife, uh, I was thinking about all the stages of, of my kids growing up, and, and uh, when those four that we just showed on the screen, when they were all babies, they were all born very close together, so we had all four of them were four and under at one point. And kind of during that season of life, every once in a while, my wife would fly all four of them uh, to uh, Kansas City to her parents if we were going on a missions trip or something like that, and her parents were gonna watch them for that week or something like that. So sometimes she would load, she'd take all four of them, sometimes four, four and under, or five and under. And uh, she would tell me afterwards, she said, you can't imagine the dirty looks that you get when you walk onto a plane with four babies. Like, people are looking like, don't even, don't even think about sitting anywhere near me. Uh, and... Uh, Every once in a while, the plane ride would get done and she would have people come to her and say, oh my goodness, they were so well behaved. Didn't happen every plane ride, but it happened some plane rides. And the reason why it happened is because she had this whole system in which she set them up to win. She set them up to succeed. Here's what she would do. She would get all the kids up at like super early. Like, well, sometimes the flight would be in the morning, but she'd get them up extra early. Like I mean, way, way early in the morning. So they'd get them up and we'd get them um, 
something to eat, and we'd have, every kid would have a backpack with some coloring books or just whatever digital things we could do. Like they'd have stuff in their backpacks. And then if the kids started to fall asleep, they, they'd be in the car seat. I remember this as clear as I can. We'd be on the way to the airport and the kids would be in the car seat and they'd start to fall asleep. And my wife would be there in the front seat going, hey, no, not letting them fall asleep. And if somebody saw us driving down the highway and they were like, oh, I can't believe she's being so mean to that child. No, what she was doing is setting that child up to win, to be a little bit tired by the time they got on that plane, stayed in that car seat, and they'd go right to sleep and sleep the whole plane ride. And everybody on the plane was so glad that she had set them up to win. Parents, we're doing that all the time. We should be doing that all the time with our kids. We want to lead in such a way, discipline in such a way, that we're setting up our kids to win. We want to make it easy on our kids to obey us. I said... <laughs> We want to make it easy on our kids to obey us. Some of you are like, no, I'm, I'm actually trying to make it hard because they need to learn. I'm, all right, here we go. Maybe, maybe some, and, and there were some questions that came in at the, um, at the parenting conference uh, two weeks ago. And like I did last week, I covered some of those questions on marriage. I, I, do, I will cover as many of those as, I, as time permits uh, on, on marriage. But... Someone maybe would ask the question about obeying parents, and they say, well, uh, what if my parents are unsaved, and what if my parents uh, don't make it easy to obey them? Uh, it doesn't change your responsibility as a son or a daughter to obey. And I, I, you say, when does that stop? I mean, uh, that could be debated. One kind of easy way to look at it is if you're in that home, if you're living in that home, then that obedience, that call to obedience would still be there. And the, the exception would be is if the obedience to the parent uh, made, you, uh, made you behave in a way that was disobedient to God, uh, to God's word, I should probably even say that. Uh, that's where now uh, something would, would change. But how serious is this obedience to God, this obedience to parents, because uh, I, I've, dealt, I've dealt with a lot of teenagers in my life, a lot through the years, and sometimes it was easy for teens sometimes to disconnect their obedience with their parents uh, and their obedience with God. So I, I, would know, I would know a lot of teens who were passionate about being obedient to God, but then also passionate about being disobedient to their parents. And so how, how important is this to God? Second Timothy chapter three, Paul kind of says it, He's, he's going, terrible times in the last days. And then he's sitting there making this exhaustive list, and he's trying to be like, I mean, as much hyperbole as possible. Like, what's the, what's the worst things I could put? So he says, in the terrible times in the last days, he's probably talking about this age of history, I, I'm guessing. But he says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive. And then he goes, and they'll even be disobedient to their parents. <gasps> Listen, this is how God sees it. Now our culture is constantly sending the message and I don't want any parent or any young person, son or daughter, to buy into this lie of culture that says parents and kids are just supposed to constantly be battling one another. That there's constantly supposed to be this uh, abrasive in, uh, relationship and there's always supposed to be sneaky and there's always supposed to be disobedient. Don't buy that. That's not true. That's not the way uh, every home has to function. No, Paul is using disobedience to parents as a, a real sign of, of big time problems. So be, beware of that message that says, oh no, this is just going to happen. Paul says to parents, no, rather bring them up, uh, bring them up, nurture them, 
with discipline. Now, there was a question that came in from four or five different parents uh, at the conference, and uh, a lot of the different ones worded it in different ways, but here's, here's kind of a, a mashed them up all together. How do you face a, a difference in parenting between the, the mom and dad? How do you handle not agreeing with your spouse? How do you manage when both parents have different parenting styles? Again, these are all different questions, but same topic. We tend to naturally agree on most things. We have similar point of view, but when it comes to parenting styles, we don't necessarily see eye to eye. How do we, how do we align two completely different parenting methods? So there's multiple questions about coming from two different angles. And I will say this as we kind of give some practical keys to discipline. My first practical key would be this. If you're in a home where there's a, a mom and dad and, and, and we're, we're involved in, in discipline um, and, and raising up, which is what discipline does, my first one would be this, you've got to be together. Mom and dad, you have to be together. We, we can't have this thing where it's like, well, uh, yeah, I heard you did this, but we're not gonna tell your father. Like, we'll just keep that between us. Like, I promise, like, that, that didn't happen in our home. There was never this thing of like, well, you know, uh, you, know you can handle it that way and I'll handle it this way. You've got to be a united front. And I've, I've, I've preached this before and had parents come up and say, well, you know, but we, he thinks this and I think this and we just can't agree. I say, you have to agree. Like, there is just no other, there is no other way to, to, to do this and do this right. Um, because if you, if you have a, a, a split view of things, if they sense that, I'm not saying you can't disagree, because you will, you'll have moments, but not in front of the kids and not ever out loud. Like, no, you go off, you talk it through, you have to be humble with one another. There might be, there might be one of the parents that is a really, really strict disciplinarian, and everything has to be completely straight, and you better not step one line out or else you're gonna get it. And then there might be one other parent who is just like, no, nothing matters, just let them be free. Like, like right, I get that, I get that. But you guys need to get away from the kids and get together and be humble enough to go, okay, my way may not be best in every single circumstance. And that other spouse needs to go, yeah, my way. And so let's figure out a compromise and let's get together. And once we agree to what we're doing, let's stay together. And I promise you'll be glad that you did. You have to stay together as parents. If they sense that split, oh boy, look out. Kids just instinctually know how to use that. So not divided, not separated. Also, when you're disciplined, another tip, not in anger. Don't do it in anger as, as best you can. Matter of fact, if anger is a part of the discipline, you may just want to hold off on the discipline and say, hey, you know what? Like, I am, woof, I'm man. So you go over there, and uh, we're going to talk in an hour, and then we're going to figure out what we're going to do with this. That may be a necessary practice for some. Uh, it, 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 the discipline shouldn't be on how mad I am. That should not dictate the level of discipline with how bad of a day. Because sometimes... If we're being honest, parents, sometimes, y'all even want to hear this, I can tell. Get ready to get shouted down, Pastor Johnny. Okay, I will. Uh, sometimes we can have a rough day and something that would, didn't make us angry yesterday will make us angry today. And now I'm a discipline harsher because I had a rougher day at the office? No, that's why we can't discipline out of anger. And so what's best to do if you can is um, sometimes you could sit down and have the consequences already laid out. We, we did this a few times uh, as we're raising our, our kids and, and let me just quickly say this so, so you're gonna be like, 
So Pastor Johnny said, you did it, you did it right at every situation, you're perfect. Absolutely not. Uh, my kids could, we could, hold, we could set up a thing this afternoon in the atrium where my kids sit on stools and tell you all things we did wrong. It'd take quite a while. <laughs> it would be a long, it would be interesting. Y'all would like it, but uh, we could do that. But, but a couple times we got things right. And so one of those times was we, we would sit down with our kids and we would talk about the expected behavior before. Like let's say we're going into maybe a school year. And we'd say, okay, here's what the expected behavior is. Here's what the expected uh, goals are. And maybe, maybe academically, this is what we would hope for. And was it going to be outlandish? It wasn't going to be 98% or higher or else? No, it was going to be realistic for, for that kid. And so we'd set that parameter up. And then we'd, in that same conversation, before any infraction has happened, we would say, and, what, and here's what's going to be the consequence of that behavior not being met, that expectation not being met. Here's the consequence. And so now fast forward a few months, and something happens, and the, and the expected, expectation was not met, the behavior was not right. We sit down, and watch this. I don't even have to get mad now. I just can simply go, what was it that we said was expected? Well, you expected this. Okay. And then what did we say was going to be the consequence if that was broken? Well, it was this and this. Okay. So then you chose that consequence when you chose that behavior, correct? Correct. There. We just disciplined. I didn't have to yell. I didn't have to, like, uh, like, like uh, you know, hold a, a, a grudge and not speak to them. And so, uh, which brings me to, like, the next uh, practical indiscipline is not disciplining out of relationship. Here's what I mean, and you're, you're, you're going to hear this, and I would say if there's one theme, if there's one takeaway when it comes to family dynamic, moms, dads, sons, daughters, it's, if there's one thing, it would be this, relationship. Stay in relationship. When I would ever have to discipline, or anytime you have to discipline your kids, never use access to you as part of the discipline. In other words, I'm not going to be like, I am so mad at you, and then I'm not going to speak to you for a week. I'm not going to speak to you for two weeks. That is not healthy discipline. You want relationship, even in the midst of discipline. Matter of fact, there was, there was a couple seasons with, with one of my kids. I won't say which one. Matter of fact, I will. Put those pictures up, and I'll point who it was. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but there was, there was a couple seasons where it just felt like, it just felt like it was correction, 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 correction. And I would literally pray and I would say, God, my only interaction with this child is not gonna be corrective. I'm gonna have some other. And so God, show me other ways to connect. And I mean, I would just figure out a way to do something else. Like, okay, I'm correcting you, but now let's go do something or talk about something else because I'm not gonna lose the child. Like, that's the thing. Like sometimes in our discipline and in our own anger, we can lose them, and that's not the point. The point is to direct them. The point is to, to nurture them with, with discipline. That's what that, that, that to, to bring them up, it really has to do more with, with nurturing. And so it's not out of relationship, also not out of proportion. In other words, don't get so over the top on, on discipline, maybe for a minor thing and then it's major consequence. Some of you are using a sledgehammer to kill a mosquito, and you don't want to do that. Like, like something happens and you've had a rough day, you're grounded for a year. And right after you say it, you're like, well, I mean, they're not, but I said it. <laughs> and your kids are thinking, no, I'm not, because you'd never do that. And now what have we done? We've had this moment of discipline that's now kind of just a big wasted blow up because it's out of proportion. 
And so again, as much as you can sit down and go, I think this is a relatively good um, change and, and discipline for this moment. If I discipline well, it's gonna make obedience to their parents easy, which is what I want. I want my kids to be, have an easier time being obedient. And I would say this, not inconsistently. In other words, what's, what's, uh, you know, what's right today is not right tomorrow. No, there needs to be a consistency in, in your parenting, except for this exception. Um, the exception would be that sometimes you're, if you have multiple kids, they're different. So I, I, had, I, have had, I had one or two that, I mean, it took a lot to get through to them. Like a lot of words and a lot of stuff taken away and a lot of other things too. Like it took a lot with some of them. And then with, with, with some of them, it took me just going like this and giving them a look and they'd be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so now what would happen if I'm disciplining that one that just, it, all it takes is a look. And if I'm putting all these words, and those words are going to crush him, destroy him. So that's, that's the only time that there's maybe an inconsistency is knowing that I can't treat, that our kids have different personalities. And sometimes it's not, that, it's not that our expectations or our rules change a ton, but the way we deal with uh, un, un, unmet expectation might change. Somebody asked a question. I loved it. They said, how do you deal with a child who feels like they're the authority? And I was like, uh-oh. And uh, that's a great question. It really is. And I think a lot of people deal with that. I think sometimes, maybe not in this case, but sometimes if somebody would feel like that, they go, well, my kid feels like they're the authority. Sometimes I'd say, well, they probably are. That's probably why they feel that way. Because otherwise, why would they feel that way? And so here's would be my practical answer to that is um, you, 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 you make decisions prayerfully. You, you get advice um, from other parents and you talk as your spouse or if, if that's a, your situation. And you make a decision, and then there is no argument. I think the more you argue with, uh, with your son or daughter about this, that's where they can start to feel the authority, because now it's like, now they're, you're on trial, and they're the, you know, they're the lawyer, and they're cross-examining you, and, well, why would you say that, and well, what does this mean, and what about this, and what about that? That, that just, that doesn't have to happen. You can make a decision, and if they start to question, go, no, 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 we're, <laughs> I love you, we're, we're good. All right, what do you want to do? Like, we're not going to talk about that anymore because we already made this decision, so it's not really up for any kind of, like, debate, or I don't have to, like, justify it, whatever. And so that's kind of, that's what, if, if I had a child that was kind of feeling like authority, I, I would just make my decisions, and then I wouldn't have the conversation. Wouldn't, wouldn't let any potential manipulation even start to get in there because we just made a decision. All right. That's our role in obeying. Everybody's got a role in that. The children do and the parents do. What about our role in, in belonging? Because Paul also says in verse one of Ephesians six, children, obey your parents. We, said, we read that. He said, because you, belong, because you belong to the Lord, this is the right thing to do. You belong to the Lord. This belonging to the Lord should affect our behavior. In other words, a Christian home should look different than a non-Christian home. All my Christians need to say amen to that. A Christian son or daughter should treat their parents different than a non-Christian son or daughter. A Christian mom and dad should treat their children different than a non-Christian mom and dad. There is, a, there is a higher calling on us. Why? Because we belong to the Lord. In other words, belonging should eventually affect my behavior. It, it, matter of fact, I'll say it this way. Belonging gives what I belong to the right to call out my behavior. Like, like some of you have 
homeowners associations that you belong to. And those homeowners associations don't hesitate to send you a letter talking about your behaviors. And they're gonna say, you know what? Clean that driveway and paint that fence and wash that house, like trim the tree. And you could go, what? you got no right to tell me what to do with my house. They do because you belong. And because we belong to the family of God, because we belong to this subculture group called Christianity, now the word of God has the right to tell us how to do what we're doing. Change my behavior, Lord, because I belong to you. And that's, that's across the board. Belonging changes everything. So as a son, as a daughter, how about this? How about if we think less about our rights and more about our responsibility? Oh, that'll go a long way. Less about my rights and more about my responsibility. Even when there is infractions or, 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 or disagreements or unmet expectations and discipline moments, I never made it about my, I never made it about myself. Dealing with my kids, it would be more like, no, like it's where, it's where you are. It's, it's that you belong to the Lord and so therefore there's a calling on your life and there's, there's expectation on your life. It was never like, Oh, I can't believe you did that and you embarrassed me and I'm one of the pastors and now look at this. It wasn't about me. No, it was about them. It was about their worship and their witness. And so I would just, I would kind of more, kind of more lean that direction. It wasn't, their infraction wasn't about how it made me look or feel. It's about, no, no, no. What does God expect of us though? Are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, then, then there's got to be some standard that you're living to and we all make mistakes, but now let's move on from this and let's not go down that path again. Belonging is important, and there's things that I can do to set my family up to win, to feel like they belong to the Lord. Paul said it this way in verse 4 to the parents. He said, bring them up with the instruction that comes from the Lord. Bring them up with the instruction that comes from the Lord. One parent asked and said, should we make our kids come to church? What if, the, what if we do that and the Bible doesn't? It's not seem to taken root in their life. And what if we do that and they, when they get adults, they're gonna hate the church and go away from it? I, here's what I would say is like, what about the other things that you make them do? Are you worried they're gonna move away from that at some point in their life? Like I know some of y'all had to make your kids brush your teeth. You don't wanna tell anybody that, but I know you did. You made them do it. Some of you, you have boys, you made them take a bath. And they'd go up there and run that bath water and dip their finger in it and do like this. They wouldn't even get in. That's how badly they didn't want to do it. They'd go through more trouble faking a bath than taking a bath. And yet you would make them do it. And did you ever think, oh, but I don't know if I should make them because what if they don't bathe when they get adults? What I'm saying is, is that our job is to nurture them, train them up, that, that word that, that gets translated that we bring them up in discipline and, and the instruction of the Lord or, or uh, nurture them with the instruction of the Lord is a word that, yes, it does have to do with like physical needs, meeting their physical needs, but it also has to do with meeting their spiritual needs. And as parents, that has to be a part of what we're doing is being concerned about their spiritual needs. Parents, don't, be, don't spend 99% of your concern on academics and 1% on their spiritual life. Don't spend, don't spend 90% on their athletics and 1% on their spiritual life. 
No, no, no. This is part of what we're doing is we're bringing them up in their spiritual life. And you'll find nowhere in the Bible does the Bible call for uh, outside organizations to train the children uh, in the things of the Lord. Now, hear me. Are you saying that, you know, youth ministry and kids ministry is not? No, no, no. Our, let's bring it right here. Our youth ministry, our kids ministry is here not to replace you. It's here to reinforce you. It's here to like come alongside you and go, yeah, let's, let's all do this together. And that's our role in the belonging. And uh, parents that'll go a long way, if you'll just truly belong to the Father. It'll go a long way if you model it. That's what Proverbs 22, when it says, train up a child in the way that he will go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Stand on that. Believe that. Have hope for that. If you're going through a rough season with your kids, look at them and say, I know everything's going to turn out all right. I know you're going to live for the Lord at some point. I'm just worried about how much pain you're going to cause yourself in the middle of this. Stand on that word. But that word, train up, it has to do with that you model it. That it's, it's, a, it's a train. Like they're following behind you like, like cars on a train. And so I would say this, you make sure you're belonging. And it'll do a lot for their belonging. You make sure you're belonging. It'll do a lot for that last part that Paul talks about with these kids and he says honor your father and mother for this is the first commandment with a promise honor hold your hold your parents in high esteem care about their feelings let me preach to the teenagers in the house for a second care about how your behaviors make your parents feel that's that's deep stuff because normally all of us we're a little bit more selfish but if I think about no but I I want to live in such, I want to honor them, honor, their, honor our name. That's what that word means, honor. And we have a part to play in that too, to set them up to win. And that part is that we don't provoke. Paul said, verse four, fathers, don't provoke your children. The word that gets translated fathers is, is in the other places in the New Testament and in Hebrews, it's translated parents. So it could be parents. Parents, don't, don't exasperate. Parents, don't provoke them to anger. The goal is to stay in relationship. And listen, the, the, the parenting, the household, the marriage, all of it would be hard enough even if there was no spiritual dynamic. So let's say it this way. If there was no war in the heavenlies, if there was no forces of evil in an unseen realms, if that did not exist, family would be hard enough. Raising kids and doing it right and staying in relationship, it would be hard enough. You add to that fact that there is a very real enemy constantly, constantly trying to drive a wedge in your marriage, constantly trying to drive a wedge in your family, constantly by something your kids do, trying to drive a wedge in that marriage and get you guys to think differently and react differently, constantly driving a wedge that when a son or daughter does something and you want to get angry with them and it, that, that wedge is getting constantly pounded and we're getting further and further away and that's happening spiritually which is why we desperately need the presence of God to help us. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.